We confess together uh, this afternoon, Canons of Dort, Head 1, Articles 12 through 14. These are a bit lengthy, so allow me to read these for you. Article 12. Assurance of this eternal and unchangeable election to salvation is given to the chosen in due time, though in various stages and in differing measure. Such assurance comes not by inquisitive searching into the hidden and deep things of God, but by noticing within themselves, with spiritual joy and holy delight, the unmistakable fruits of election pointed out in God's word, such as a true faith in Christ, a childlike fear of God, a godly sorrow for their sins, a hunger and thirst for righteousness, and so on. Article 13. In their awareness and assurance of this election, God's children daily find greater cause to humble themselves before God, to adore the fathomless depth of His mercies, to cleanse themselves, and to give fervent love and return to Him who first so greatly loved them. This is far from saying that this teaching concerning election and reflection upon it made God's children lax in observing His commandments or carnally self-assured. By God's just judgment, this does usually happen to those who casually take for granted the grace of election or engage in idle and brazen talk about it, but are unwilling to walk in the ways of the chosen. Article 14. Just as by God's wise plan, this teaching concerning divine election has been proclaimed throughout the prophets, Christ himself, and the apostles in Old and New Testament times, and has subsequently been committed to writing in the Holy Scriptures, so also today in God's church, for which it was specifically intended, this teaching must be set forth with a spirit of discretion in a godly and holy manner at the appropriate time and place without inquisitive searching into the ways of the Most High. This must be done for the glory of God's most holy name and for the lively comfort of His people. Let's pray. O Lord, we do take great uh, comfort in the doctrine of election. Uh, Thank you for it and its mystery and what you have revealed about it in your word. Help us to carefully consider this doctrine uh, this afternoon and to hear also the law and the gospel. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The uh, scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of John chapter 10 verses 1 through 30 that is found on page 896 of your pew Bibles Once again, we hear from God's Word, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 30. Hear now God's Word. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, 
for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This uh, charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not a part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Word of God so far. Congregation of Christ and Friends. There are hardly more comforting words in the Scriptures than these. No one can snatch you out of the hand of God. You are His. You belong to Him. He has sacrificed His Son on your behalf. You are His. But, let's be honest. Many of us struggle with assurance of that reality. It comes, it goes. Some people are more introspective than others. And uh, to one degree or another, we sort of wonder sometimes. I mean, am I saved? And more particularly, uh, under discussion this afternoon, is am I elect? Now, we'll get to the issue of assurance of salvation uh, when we come to the last head of doctrine, the fifth head of doctrine, on uh, perseverance of the saints. But this afternoon, very briefly, we'll talk about assurance of election, which is something different. Again, we have to distinguish. Election is a decree. It's a command of God that's made outside of time, and we don't know with specificity who the elect are. We believe we're the elect of God in His church, but that's something different from assurance of salvation that we'll get to later. 
Now let me press this a little bit by giving you an illustration. There's a uh, pamphlet called My Heart, Christ's Home. Um, it's a pamphlet in which uh, it's an analogy of what happens in a person's life, this guy's life, when he accepts Jesus into his heart, supposedly. Uh, so as the story goes, he accepts Jesus into his heart, and the heart becomes analogous to the home. And so Jesus comes into the person's life, and of course Jesus uh, busily goes about the person's house cleaning up different rooms. He goes into the living room and sees that there are you know, bad magazines there or whatever. Jesus cleans them out and goes throughout the, the whole house. And you know, Jesus asks the guy to come to his library each day for a quiet time. And on it goes. And, and this, this, um, this pamphlet is very uh, uh, perfectionistic. It is a view that one really can be perfect in this life. It's also pietistic, which means that it has a false idea of what true Christian uh, piety is or walking with Christ. It's also legalistic. And on it goes. So as the story goes on in this this, uh, pamphlet, uh, the guy starts to miss some of his quiet times. And he's, he's going outside the house to a few parties and he doesn't bring Jesus with him, so that's not good. Uh, and then, you know, finally Jesus uh, says, hey, you know, where have you been? You're going out to these parties, you're, you know, you're not spending time with me. And he goes, I know what's wrong. There's something dirty in your closet. And so this one closet where the guy's been hiding out stuff, guy breaks down and says, yeah, here it is. And Jesus cleans it out. Well, let me, let me mention this to you because this is completely awful. This is not how Jesus is. This is not how the Christian life is. But so many of us think this is the way the Christian life is. And this is important to mention in terms of assurance of election because many times we become perfectionistic and law-driven and we think, boy, I'm not perfect according to my perfection standards. Therefore, maybe I'm not elect. So what's interesting, and we'll get into this later, is that election and salvation have to be understood in their proper categories. If you mess up salvation, if you think you're saved by your good works and cleaning out the closets, as it were, you're going to mess up election. So we must be clear about this. This is so critical. But the thing is, and what we'll argue for, is you can have assurance of your election. That's what the canons are talking about here, but we have to be clear about what we mean. Well, Article 12 is, again, rightly understood in context. And at the end of each one of the canons, there's this section called Rejection of Errors. And uh, Rejection of Errors, paragraph 7, says this. The Synod, the church meeting, where all the canons were written, the Synod, rejects the errors of those who teach that there is in this life no fruit and no consciousness of the unchangeable election to glory, nor any certainty except that which depends on a changeable and uncertain condition. In other words, they're saying what the Arminians were saying is that if there is any assurance at all one can have of their election, it happens on the basis of the quality of your faith. So how good your faith is at any one given time will help you to feel better about election. Well, here's the response. For not only is it absurd... This is what we say. Not only is it absurd to speak of an uncertain certainty, but also contrary to the experience of the saints, who by virtue of the consciousness 
of their election rejoice with the apostle and praise his favor of God, who according to Christ's admonition rejoice with his disciples that their names are written in heaven, who also place the consciousness of their election over against the fiery darts of the devil asking, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Here's the issue. Uh, According to the Arminians, election is a biblical reality, uh, but the comfort which it is to give to people is really out of grasp. As one person paraphrases the belief, says, you cannot know until the day of your death whether you belong to the final number because election depends on your faith. And indeed, as the rejection of errors puts it, faith is a changeable and uncertain condition. And since this is true, then we're in real trouble if we do base the reality of our election merely on faith. The canons of Dort point out that faith does lead to the assurance of election, but not faith in and of itself outside of what the scriptures say. More on that in a minute. But according to Article 12, it says, The elect in due time, though in various degrees and in different measures, attain the assurance of this, their eternal and unchangeable election. Now, so notice that if you go to passages like Ephesians chapter 1, uh, the church is very uh, confident of their election. Paul says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, and so on. Uh, so Paul is certain he is convinced God chose us. Romans 8, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and of children than heirs. Article 12 goes on to discuss how we should not attempt to find assurance of election and how we should attempt it. So, do not try this way by inquisitively prying into the secret and deep things of God. That's why we're practically falling over ourselves here to say that election is a decree, it's something secret, it's done before the foundations of the earth were laid. It's locked up in God's mind. Therefore, it's impossible uh, to find a path through speculation about election. That is, I'm having a hard day. I wonder if I'm elect. Let me think about how God would think about this and what election really is in my own terms. What does Calvin say about this? If we try to penetrate to God's eternal ordination, that deep abyss will swallow us up. And how true this is of so many doctrines. God created hell. He sends people to hell. We know why, basically. But ultimately, people say, well, why did God create it all? Create a universe in which some people go to hell. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just says that God is perfect and has perfect character and He created for His own glory. He even created vessels of destruction for His own glory. Who are we to ask? So again, if we try to go down that road, Calvin says, good luck. It's going to be like a huge monster came up and swallowed you. How should we attempt to find assurance of election then? Can and say, 
by observing in ourselves with a spiritual joy and holy pleasure the infallible fruits of election pointed out in the word of God such as a true faith in Christ filial fear of God a godly sorrow for sin a hungry, hungering and thirsting after righteousness so notice what the word of God points out here each thing reveals that we are sinful creatures we must have faith in Christ because of our sin and because of our sin and creatureliness we must have reverence for God and we are to sorrow because of our sin and finally we hunger and thirst after righteousness because of the lack of it in our lives therefore let's be clear there is a subjective appraisal and this leads to the assurance of election but it is not an analysis of goodness within us but rather a lack thereof in relation to what the scriptures say what's so funny about this is the world has it exactly the opposite oh well you know what they say all people are good and I know there's some goodness in me and so they'll look for goodness inside the canons say the scriptures say no look for badness inside and if you repent of that you're elect if you repent and believe in Christ you're elect not by saying I'm basically a good person what's big emphasis on basically there isn't there so assurance will always be elusive if we look to our own performance for evidence of election and that's why we point out that terrible pamphlet if you're going to try to feel good about yourself and your own works you're not going to feel good not if you're honest about the law because you must be absolutely perfect and so you can't think this way you have to think about the gospel you have to flee to Christ so now we know that we're not to pry into God's mind or look to our own works or feelings or some alleged perfection within us but to the word for assurance the question is how does this square with the canons of Dort when it tells us to observe in ourselves the infallible fruits of election for that we have to go to the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer 21 on faith true faith helps us to understand what this is all about the answer is true faith is not only a certain knowledge whereby I hold for truth all that God has revealed to us in his word but also a hearty trust which the Holy Spirit works in me by the gospel that not only to others but to me also forgiveness of sins everlasting righteousness and salvation are freely given by God merely of grace for the sake of Christ's merits therefore the trust we have in us only comes outside of us by the gospel through the Holy Spirit so we're all dead in our sins God comes to us through the preaching of his word he enlivens us by the spirit awakens us and then we're justified as we have faith it's not us beginning uh, good or even partially good it's the gospel that creates faith in us outside of us and the object of our trust is not our trust but Christ and his benefits some will say well I have faith in faith you have faith in your own faith? it's kind of reductionistic isn't it? no you have faith in Christ so we never look uh, to our own spiritual life disconnected from the scriptures uh, we look to Christ 
Indeed, as Calvin says in his Institutes, But if we have been chosen in him, we shall find assurance of our election in ourselves, not even in God the Father, if we conceive of him as severed from his Son Christ. Uh, this is the merit wherein we must, without self-deception, deception may, contemplate our own election. Assurance then comes from hearing Christ's word. But, Calvin says, <clears throat> still this does not prevent believers from feeling that the benefits they receive daily from God's hand are derived from that secret adoption. The benefits are the fruits of faith that the canons of Dart Dort talk about that is a sorrow for sin and a hungering and thirsting after righteousness so there's a lot said here but let's summarize it this way Um, you're concerned about your election what you do is you hear the word of God the word of God says whoever truly believes and repents is elected The word working in our hearts by the Spirit causes us to confess, Now I believe. The conclusion is, Therefore, I am elected. So you start with the word. If you're nervous, the way to sum it up is to say, Look to Christ in His word. Like Christ says, I will not cast out my sheep. I will not cast out those who come to me. All those who come to me, I receive. So, it's a good thing if you're Uh, nervous about your sin you go to Christ the spirit of God causes faith within you you say I believe therefore you can say you're elect in other words elect people um, won't confess or not elect people won't confess their sins they won't flee to Christ they'll speculate they'll get nervous they run away but elect people say no I know I'm really bad I'm a sinner I want to hear Christ I want to flee to him And if you do so, and you never do so perfectly, but if you do so, you care to do so, you're God's elect. So Article 13, just to move to a conclusion here, tells us how we should respond to the scriptural fact that we have certainty of our election. The Arminians during uh, the 1600s thought, well, if you have assurance of your election, this leads to license. In other words, you're just going to do whatever you want. Let me think of it. If you think no one's going to snatch you out of the Father's hand and you're elect and nothing can change that, why not go out and party? Do whatever you want. Leave Jesus at home. No, that's not how uh, we think of it. Uh, Article 13 says it gives us humility. There is a story of a woman when hearing about election, when she finally got it, burst into tears and asked the question, why would God choose me? Why would God choose me? The perfect response. Not, God chose me. Look at how great I am. There must be something good within me that God chose me on on that basis. No. The right response is, why would God choose me? Why would God save anybody? And why would He save me? That humility marks uh, the church today, or it should. Well, Article 14, well, how do we teach this hard but wonderful doctrine? Basically, we do it with great humility. But we also do it carefully and with discretion. 
cautiously. Because people can be very confused on this mark. But also election must be taught for the comfort of souls. Listen to Calvin, the way he puts it, it's really marvelous in his Institutes. The subject of predestination, which in itself is attended with considerable difficulty, is rendered very perplexed and hence perilous by human curiosity, which cannot be restrained from wandering into forbidden paths and climbing to the clouds, determined if it can be if it can that none of the secret things of God shall remain unexplored. When we see many, some of them in other respects not bad men, everywhere rushing into this audacity and wickedness, it is necessary to remind them of the course of duty in this matter. First then, when they inquire into predestination, let them remember that they are penetrating into the recesses of the divine wisdom where he who rushes forward securely and confidently, instead of satisfying his curiosity, will enter into an inextricable labyrinth. For it is not right that man should with impunity pry into the things which the Lord has been pleased to conceal within himself and scan that sublime eternal wisdom which is his pleasure that we should not apprehend but adore, that therein also his perfections may appear. These secrets of his will, which he has seen it meet to manifest, are revealed in his word, revealed insofar as he knew to be conducive to our interest and welfare. This is why Calvin says, don't try to pry into the secret a will of God. Don't go where you should not go. It's like parents telling their kids, I know you think going over there is going to be really great, but it's dangerous. Don't go there. This is what Calvin says about the doctrine of election. Don't try to secretly or try to understand the secrets of God. That's why they're secrets. Leave them alone. Deal with what's been revealed. What's been revealed? Christ. If you're concerned about election, if you have questions about it, study Christ. Look to his wounds. Look to his law doing. Look to his love for you. If you believe all that stuff, you're God's elect. And so to finish, this is why uh, Jesus says what he does in John 6. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Finally, John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.